Hello, you're listening to a Zen Studies Society podcast. To learn more about our community of Zen Buddhist practitioners, please visit zenstudies.org. The iron flute, case 92. Sozans for do nots. Sozan said, Do not follow the bird's way of mind. Fugan, do you prefer nomads? Nyogen, did you ever hear of Kontiki? Do not clothe yourself before you are born. Fugai, does nakedness bring happiness? Nyogen, the dancer Tokuai wears heavy clothing while dancing. Her grace flows into the garments. Do not say the present moment is eternal. Fugai, just show your face. Nyogen, I do not like that face. Do not express yourself before birth. Fugai, people should read without letters. Yogen, I understand 10,000 kanji, but they don't bother me. Genro, in accord with Sozan's statements, I will ask you, monks. Fugai, go ahead, I will answer each one. First, you can go wherever you want. But what is the bird's way? Fugai, east, west. Second, you can wear any attire now, but what did you wear before you were born? Fugai, no civilized person walks naked on the street. Third, Say whatever you like, but what is the present? Nyogen, Fugai's comment isn't worth translating. I will say for him, the question is too good to be answered. Fourth, express it however you wish, but where were you before you were born? Fugai, the conjurer, knows the trick. Genro's verse. Sozan's home remedy is peppery. Fugai, it's more soothing than honey. Its purpose is to kill people. Fugai, when all are killed, the living person arises. The three-foot sword glitters. Fugai, Buddha and the ancestors will be scared to death. Each cut makes the sword sharper. Fugai, watch out. Don't cut yourself.
Wow. You should just leave it at that. If you do, I will. <laughs> Constantly call and response. Mow the bird song. Clear, clear. Morning service after Furi Shin, Kanzeon ending. Leave a space. Japanese word is ma. This just silent, pregnant moment. And then let it rip. On the altar, this session, framing Nyogen Senzaki. By the way, he would be so astonished at being honored year after year after year. Founder, honorary founder of this temple. from that little room where he sat and sat to the room in the barracks at Heart Mountain concentration camp where he shared a tiny space with a family and here here, radiating, radiating, radiating. So every commemoration, for as long as I can remember, I have read his poem. I ran out of time the other day, probably will again today, so I'm going to read it to you now. When I bow before the altar, offering Buddha a bunch of daffodils, the fragrance of the flowers fills the sleeves of my robe. They like it. <laughs> Tomorrow night between 10:30 and midnight the moon enters the earth's shadow there will be a total eclipse at about 12 midnight, 12.11 to be exact, Eastern Daylight Time. And it's the first supermoon of 2022. The Earth casts a shadow on the moon. The moon is full and the moon will be fully obscured. And because of that shadow, it will have a reddish, or a reddish, reddish hue. So it's known as the blood moon. 
the full moon of May. Called different names by various indigenous nations. Flower moon. Leaf budding moon. Planting moon. Egg laying moon. When we walked down the corridor after Zazen yesterday evening. What a sight! Wow! Wow! Really? The waxing moon, that means getting fuller, 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 fuller. The pink clouds the greening trees, and two deer. (laughs) So, of course, I had to write a haiku. I'll read it to you. New leaves unfurling under flower moon of May, deer calmly grazing. So today we meet Sozang Honjaku. He lived from 840 to 901, Tang Dynasty, China. And he was the Dharma heir of Tozan Ryokai. And they became the co-founders of the Soto school. Sozan, Tozan, Soto. That's how it happens. Sometime when I finally finish this iron flute, which is soon, sometime in the next year. This is case 92 out of 100. So I really want to devote some Teishos to the Igyo school. Again, two names, you know, the E part. Anyone? Isan. E and Gyo. Who's that? Yes. Yes. Quite a fascinating school, an esoteric Zen school. Anyway. When Sozan and Tozan first met, Tozan asked, What is your name? Sozan said, Honjaku. Tozan asked, What is your transcendent name? Transcendent, in light of this koan, we might ask, What was your name before you were born? Sozan said, I can't tell you. Why not? Sozan said, There, I'm not named Honjaku. Tozan realized that this student 
would be a great Dharma vessel. And Sozan studied with Tozan for many, many years. When he was going to leave, Tozan asked another question. Where will you go? Sozan, I'm not going to any place different. Tozan, you're not going to a different place, yet there is still going. Sozan, I'm going, but not to a different place. I think for many of us, we know Sozan best as the teacher of Seize. Some of you have worked on case 10 of the Mumonkan. Seize is destitute, alone and destitute. Seize goes to Sozan and says, I am alone and destitute. Please give me your support. Sozan calls out, Seize, hi! Sozan says, You have finished three cups of the finest wine in China, and yet you say you have not even moistened your lips. Seize got it. Nyoman Senzaki was particularly fond of this koan. I think about all he went through with such humility. Talk about patient forbearance, forbearance and unswerving determination. What a model for us when we're feeling really down, overwhelmed, insecure, disappointed, lonely, miserable, lost, hopeless, ashamed, frustrated. Maybe you have a few more. Downtrodden, frustrated for sure. Nyogen Senzaki embodied the sudden coming together of that call and response, being alone and utterly destitute and completely satiated with three cups of the finest wine. This threefold refuge always supporting us, whether we like it or not. no matter where or when. In 2008, when Eloquent Silence came out, Eidoroshi and I were in Seattle, and 
At dinner that night, he said about Yogan Senzaki, where did he come from? We don't know. What did he do? Nothing. Where did he go? Nowhere. And that is why, he said, 50 years later, he has had such a big impact. If we take Seize's statement, utterly destitute, literally, we might think he's talking about the kind of poverty and insecurity that Yogan Senzaki endured his whole life. Or we might think of the current devastation in Ukraine, the millions of refugees left with nothing whatsoever. Six million have fled to other countries. More than six million are still in Ukraine, but their homes are gone. Or we might think of the epidemic of hunger right here in our own country, urban, rural, every state in the Union. Or maybe we think of the children who have been orphaned by COVID. There have been at this time nearly one million COVID deaths in this country alone. It's unfathomable. But we can take another point of view of Seize's statement, too. We might see him as feeling spiritually bereft, experiencing the dark night of the soul as the Carmelite mystic St. John of the Cross termed it. Alone and poor. Spiritual poverty. Meister Eckhart said, as long as you will to do God's will, and yearn for eternity and God. You are not really poor. One is poor who wills nothing, knows nothing, and wants nothing. Or as a Famous Zen verse puts it, last year's poverty was not yet real poverty. This year's poverty is for the first time poverty indeed. We come to session very rich. Rich in concepts, in accumulated knowledge, 
in opinions, rich in ideas about what we should get out of this, or what are the best strategies for a successful session, by which we mean no pain and uninterrupted bliss. But by now, the fourth day, we've dropped, or we're in the process of dropping all such ideas, surrendering to this as it is, not as we thought it would be, not as we think it should be. And again, Meister Eckhart put it, one is poor who wills nothing, knows nothing, and wants nothing. I want some tea, and you want to move. So try this nothing. And you know, sometimes we definitely don't get what we want we do get. Sometimes life gives us a wallop. Okay, Saku, we did not request. And it brings intense emotional, psychological turmoil, pain we can't bear, insufferable. Where can we go to get out of this? Can't face it. Desolation roll. So maybe we shut down. Maybe we find ourselves flatlining. And desperately we ask, like Seize, how do I pierce through this? sense of tedium, of dreariness. How do I renew my initial fervor for this practice? A few years back, a long-time practitioner told me, I've lost my way. I don't feel that there's anything there. I call out and there's no response. I no longer have faith in my practice. There's nowhere to go, no way back, no way forward. What we thought practice was is not it at all. There's nothing to depend on. Everything's gone. All the strategies, 
all the markings that we looked for on the trail, gone. No more trail, no more path, no suffering, no craving, no extinction, no path. Has anyone ever felt that way? Well, this person who spoke with me these years ago went on to say, nothing works. And in the midst of saying that, nothing works. We have to go into this nothing of utter extremity to fully appreciate this nothing works. Buddhist practice is not passive, okay? Change your mind. This is the amazing gift of session. It's changing who you were when you first arrived, who you are now. Who are you? What mind? Yes, it is necessary to have patient forbearance, but at the same time, to rouse your aspiration, to rouse your energy. How do you do that? Here you are at session, feeling, uh, <laughs> right here at session. So what do you do? Will. Hmm? Will. The will. Will? Good luck. <laughs> Let me read you, Meister Eckhart. <laughs> you know, when you say will, it's very important, really. It's important to have that willingness, okay? You can't force anything, but you can arouse your willingness, your effort, and in the most important word, your vow. You can rouse this through what? We do it all the time. Chanting. Hmm? Chanting. Camping? <laughs> Chanting. Chanting, yes. Camping and chanting, very good together. <laughs> yes, chanting, bowing. You know, when you're feeling miserable, the most wonderful thing is come in here after hours and just do prostrations. Nobody knows. Just 
This is wonderful practice. And working, working, doing more than what is asked of you. Usually we work like, okay, I got it done, I'm out. I'm going to go whatever. But to really look around and see what needs to be swept, what needs to be cared for. This is a wonderful way of arousing your willingness to let your mind change. Another way. Hmm? Very important way here at Daibosatsu Zendo. More than any place in the world where you can do Zazen, here at Daibosatsu Zendo, what can you do? Exactly. Run to Sangha Meadow. You only have 15 minutes after you have done your work and someone else's work. Run to Sangha Meadow. Shout. This is really such a treasure that is offered here to join your mind with all our beloved teachers and Sangha members who are in the earth at Sangha Meadow to rouse your gratitude with moo after moo after moo. It's been beautiful sounds of birds, but join them in these last few hours. This is how we hurl our cherished separate selves away. And to be willing, again this word, to be willing to drink deeply of whatever circumstances we find ourselves in is really an essential part of our maturation, not only as Zen students, but as human beings. And then we just might find that what we are drinking is the ambrosial nectar of Beecher Lake, wherever we go. And remember, too, that we are not alone in our struggle. We are not alone in our tears. The Zen path is moist with tears. Maybe when we start out, the tears are personal, grief, self-recrimination, loss, bitterness. But as we continue practicing, the warmth of our tears melts that block of ice. Tears of compassion, falling, falling. Tears of amazement, tears of love, tears of gratitude. Chigan Roshi spoke yesterday uh, about the derivation of the word sutra from suture. These sutures, these threads 
We are all threads in this tapestry of session. This wondrous tanka. Buddha's bodhisattvas sitting on your thrones right here. But sometimes we need a call. Hello? Seize! We need a call. Maybe a whisper. Maybe So to Seize's request, please give me your support. Sozan. Seize. Right. Immediately. Just this. Yes. Here I am. No gap. This exchange is the entire koan. It's the entire koan of our lives. This indeed is the great opportunity presented by despair. Giving up all hopes of having it be the way we want it. Man's extremity is hmm? God's, opportunity. God's opportunity. Well, let's return to today's case in the Iron Flute. And some of you may not know it. This collection of koans compiled by Genro Oryu with his own verses and comments and further comments by his disciple Fugai Hongko and later on when he was translating this book, Yogen Senzaki. So these koans present a call and response in the mundo mode, Dharma combat. The Rinzai Roku is filled with these kinds of encounters. Some of you know the section called Kanben, Cross Examinations. Since we're bringing in Christianity a lot today, Cross Examinations. So in chapter 21, for example, Master Rinzai asked a nun, Welcome, ill come. The nun shouted. The master took his stick and said, Say more, say more. The nun shouted again. Rinzai. In the Iron Flute, this koan has the words of Sozan and then Fugai and sometimes Senzaki have something to say. And what they say is hugely quite acerbic, often sarcastic, irreverent rejoinders. Oh, yeah? This is really the traditional Zen way to show one's appreciation. Biting back. Cutting through. It's tough. It's not a Zen spa. 
<laughs> it's not making nice, okay? It's not soothing. They're there. It's okay. Yes, you're a Buddha too. No! And you may think, well, this is not for me because I want approval. I want praise. I want your support. <laughs> Watch your step. There are many of Mumon's comments in the Mumon Khan like this. The more he admires the more he cuts until there's nothing left for us to grab and put in a box and enshrine. So today, Sozon sets up four warnings for our practice. Four times he says, do not. First one. Do not follow the bird's way of mind. Really? This session, birds rule. <laughs> They're so excited about everything. They're so busy getting their families started. So what's with Sozan's commandment here? Well, you know, from a human standpoint, we see a bird flying here and there, to and fro, up and down, freely changing course. And maybe it doesn't seem to have any particular way. Uh -huh. That's wrong. You know, from the bird's point of view, the swifts are darting back and forth, back and forth under the monastery eaves. They're just amazing, aren't they? And waiting before coming in while we were in the meeting room, we heard, and there was a hummingbird. So from the bird's point of view, it's flying exactly where it needs to go. Straight ahead, purposeful, intentional. Insect. Girlfriend. Look at me. Nest. So what Sozan is telling us really is as humans do not swerve, do not be distracted, do not hanker after this and that, just go straight on with one mind, follow this endless path. Fugai, of course, challenges Sozan. Oh, okay, you say, do not follow the bird's way. Would you prefer us to be nomads, wandering in the desert, with no direction home, like a rolling stone? You can count the number of songs I'm referring to. <laughs> Come on, Fugai say. And Yogen Senzaki brings up a topic of his time. Don't you know the wayward Kontiki? Maybe some of you don't. Who does not know about Kontiki? See how much has changed? In 1947, 
a 4,300-mile journey was made by raft across the Pacific Ocean from South America to the Polynesian Islands, led by the Norwegian explorer and writer Thor Heyerdahl. The raft was named after the pre-Inca and Inca creator deity, Kontiki, Viracocha. Just like those birds, from a human standpoint, it had no navigational system. So it was carried by the currents, by the tides, from one island to another. As John Cage might put it, chance operations. The second of Sozan's commandments, do not clothe yourself before you are born. Don't add form, all right? This formless realm works just fine without you doing anything. In the unborn, what need for adornment? Here we are at Seshing. Some of you may remember this. Before TikTok, before Instagram, we used to have what was called come-as-you-are parties. Does anybody remember those? I guess you have to be really old. <laughs> well, the idea was somebody would call you on the telephone, that wired thing that was on the wall or on a little thing, you know, and you'd pick up and be a friend. We're having a come-as-you-are party. Come-as-you-are. Meaning, you're in your pajamas. Well, that's the way you come to the party. You are not particularly in nice-looking clothes. You've just been in the garden. You're all muddy. Come in those clothes. As-you-are. This is session, right? No pretense. Nothing to put on, in other words, just as you are. And then Fugai has to make a humorous retort. Are you saying being naked brings happiness? All these seeming misunderstandings are ways of just coming back and making us stop and reflect. What is this? What is this? No clothing before your birth. Of course, it's a given. No diapers even. But then Fugai says this, oh, do you mean being naked brings happiness? We should all join a nudist colony? Hmm. And then Senzaki refers again to someone of his era, a famous dancer named Hanayagi Tokuyai, and I have a picture of her, which I'll show you. Hanayagi Tokuyai. She's in the middle here, leading this dance troupe. Probably very hard for you to see. Anyway, you get the idea. They're all clothed. There is not a single naked dancer. He would have seen her performing at Obon and other festivals in Los Angeles Japanese community and always wearing heavy layers of beautiful traditional kimono 
and with graceful, flowing, stately movements. Do you know the Obon dance? Many times you've seen, right? Yeah, beautiful. Yeah. She was born in 1919, June 5th, and died just before her 87th birthday, June 1st, 2006. So, Yogan Senzaki speaks about her saying, the dancer Tokuai wears heavy clothing while dancing. Her grace flows into the garments. Then Sozan warns, do not say the present moment is eternal. Fugai, present, past, present, future? What are you talking about? He says, just show up right here now. Show your face from before you were born. This is a famous Zen saying, various iterations. What is your face before your parents were born? And Yogen Senzaki strikes back, robs Bugai's statement of its inherent Buddhist concepts, associations, what does he say? I do not like that face. Oh, your wonderful, true face before your parents were born. No, give me a break. I don't like it. No attachment to anything such as true self true nature, no elevation. And finally, Sozan says, do not express yourself before birth. What does this mean? Before that, don't think you can define confine or depict this. As Buddha says in the Diamond Sutra, words cannot explain the real nature of the universe. So then Fugai tells us we should read without letters. Yes, it's written in the trees, in the clouds, on the lake, in the mountain. This is everywhere without differentiation or degree. Again, the Diamond Sutra. 32 chapters using letters after letters after letters. Mm -hmm. And we can only read those letters if we understand they are not really such. They are just called letters. And Yogan Senzaki then comments, I understand 10,000 Chinese characters, 10,000 kanji, but they do not bother me. Free to come, free to go, free to read, 
free to let it be. No need to get trapped in all these comparisons and postulations of this and that. And the case ends with Genro setting out Sozon's statements again with further comments by Fugai and Yogen. And then Genro's verse with Fugai's responses to each line. So I will just read the verse. And after each line, I will change my voice so you know I'm being Fugai, okay? This is Genro. Sozan's home remedy is peppery. It's more soothing than honey. Its purpose is to kill people. When all are killed, the living person arises. The three-foot sword glitters. Buddha and the ancestors will be scared to death. Each cut makes the sword sharper. Watch out. Don't cut yourself. So I want to end with something appropriate to the sun, the earth, and the moon particularly by Nyogen Senzaki from Namudai Bosa. Call the Moonlight Party. undated. Every year on the full moon night in August, we have a meeting to commemorate Abe no Nakamaro, a Japanese youth who, for the first time in the history of Japan, went to study in China. His genius as a poet was recognized by the Emperor of China, and he was asked to stay, serving the royal family as a tutor. He stayed there 34 years in this high and honorable position, associating with the men of letters of the era. He was a man of unselfish character, even though he had left Japan when he was only 16 years old, he still could not forget his mother country. How old were you when you left Japan? Seven. Hmm? 27. 26. Mm. Yeah, 16. The emperor was very much moved by his request to return and gave Nakamoto his consent with warm sympathy. Nakamoto gave away everything he had among his friends, even a sword he liked so much 
He carried it with him day and night. He took off his gorgeous robe and put on the plain blue dress of the student. To him, life in China had been only a dream. Dream. Calligraphy. Now past. He was returning to the land of cherry blossoms with an empty hand and a pining soul. His friends saw him off at the seashore of Ming State. The beautiful moon rose above the vastness of the sea, casting its silvery light on the endless waves. He could not help expressing his feeling in native verse, even though he had not spoken his mother tongue in 34 years. The uta he composed would read in English, Moon, moon, I see you now above the vast field of blue waves. So you are the same moon I looked at in my hometown of Kasuga, rising above Mikasa Mountain. Though I have been getting older in this foreign country, you still have the same beautiful face. This poem remains in the memory of the people of Mikado's land, Senzaki says, and will perhaps be remembered by them forever. Nakamoto's ship ran into a terrible storm that forced him back to China, where he remained for the rest of his life without ever returning to his longed-for country of moonlight. Following Japanese custom, I have held these meetings commemorating Nakamoto on the evening of the full moon. And that's what we are receiving today. This has been a Zen Study Society podcast. If you found it to be of interest, please consider making a donation by visiting zenstudies.org donate. Thank you for listening.